Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out Ringer Wise Guys on FanDuel TV. If you're not watching and getting primed for NFL football on Sunday, you need to go check it out right now. I mean, it's the four horsemen of the Ringer betting world, and they're locked in. It's an hour and a half live, and, and not live to tape, not like they have any chance to uh, to make up what they're saying. I mean, these guys are literally, Sal wakes up on the West Coast, and I think like 5.30, 6.30 in the morning, God only knows, and they just completely just locks in for an hour and a half. And these guys talk about every single line, every single future, every single odd that you can even imagine. So go check it out right now. It's Ringer Wise, guys. You can watch it on FanDuel TV on Sundays or on the Ringer TV feed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's huzzah, a toast to breakfast. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we're going to have our guy Eamon Brennan back on the show, and we're talking the hottest seat in every power conference. That's right. We're going to go through the six power conferences. That's right. Not one, not two, not three, not four. It's six power conferences in college basketball and let you know who's actually on the hot seat. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is always a tough conversation because there are guys that will be on the hot seat, have a great season, be off the hot seat. But then, you know, once you're on the hot seat, it's hard to get off. We, we, we'll talk about the nuance of the whole thing and um, just the conversation around coaching and the coaching carousel in general. So that'll be fun. At the end, we'll do some good shout outs. We'll talk about Kansas and their I, IARP decision. Luckily, I don't have to say that anymore because the IARP is, is defunct, debunked, whatever you want to call it. They're out the way. They're done. Um, and this is one of their last decisions that they're going to make. Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? Just want to thank uh, that hardworking guy, Jeff D'Angelo. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and joining us again, he's a friend of the program. He is Eamon Brennan. Eamon, so glad to have you back, man. I'm glad to be back. How are you? I'm good. We, uh, you know, the big news in college basketball, everybody wants to talk about Kansas, um, you know, and the fact that they got these penalties from the IARP. Now we could, you know, belabor the point and try to get into the minutia of this and talk about, you know, what's right and what's wrong. Did OK State get screwed over and all that sort of stuff? I don't really want to do that, but I thought that you had a, a, a great, um, you know, kind of thesis statement on this, which is basically that the days of pretending to care about players getting paid are officially over. Um, so I wanted to, to start there. Do you think it's actually over? Are we are we officially past this point? Uh, and are we are we in a world now where we can just roll our eyes and move on? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think if you look at the tenor with which the FBI stuff was greeted back in 2017, it just reminds you of what following college sports used to be like, right? We're like. Mm -hmm you know, significant journalistic resources used to go into trying to find schools that were cheating and prove it. And it wasn't easy to do. Um, but people who did it, you know, I, I think particularly of 
you know, some of my former colleagues at ESPN, but back in the day, Yahoo Sports, like we're breaking these massive investigations about college athletics and boosters and payments and so on and so forth. It was always this huge shock and this scandal and the NCAA would take a couple of years to um, penalize. And it, it was this huge deal. And then the FBI thing was obviously like the apotheosis of that, or at least it was mm-hmm. supposed to be. Obviously, it fizzled out. It's been six years. Nothing really came of it except, you know, a few um, black assistant coaches got got put in jail for a few months and and had their careers. And um, all of the guys who were head coaches uh, at programs that were investigated are still employed one way or the other. Um, so it was a total like letdown in that regard or, or a, a sort of fizzling out in that regard. But. I think now you look at it and it's like this summer, Kansas had Hunter Dickinson transfer pretty much everyone understands that he's going to be paid very well to have left Michigan to play at Kansas. And meanwhile, this old relic of a bygone age in college sports of like, did a Kansas assistant coach or an Adidas bag man give Billy <laughs> Preston's uncle some money like 10 years ago is still rumbling through um, the extended uh, sort of enforcement process. It's just really funny when you contrast these two eras in the sport, how quickly we've come towards, yeah, guys are getting paid. Everybody's getting paid. Uh, Kansas is probably able to pay more than most schools. Everyone just kind of accepts that and moves on. It's not a big deal, whereas it used to be a massive deal. And, you know, what, 20 years ago, if Rick Pitino had that situation happen at Louisville, right, he's never going to coach again in college basketball. And he even said at the time, you know, he was done with college basketball. He would never come back. He goes over to Greece. And now he's the new darling of the season, right? Everyone's talking about Rick Pitino, ourselves included. And, you know, everyone's excited about having him back in college basketball. It used to be like that was a black mark on your career. You know, you, 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 you know, treated the game poorly, yada, yada, yada. But now, like you said, I, I mean, Hunter Dickinson said to the world, the reason he was going to leave Michigan was because he needed uh, more NIL opportunities. <laughs> and then he goes yeah. to Kansas for more NIL opportunities. So I, um, I think it's the, the end of uh, the era of clutching our pearls and acting like this isn't the reality that we live in. And uh, at least some of it is above board. Not everything is above board, as we know, but um, it's at least more forward facing than it ever has been. And I think the FBI botching that investigation and the Jeff D'Angelo wrinkle of that coming out. I think that's when we all realized how you know, just kind of absurd the situation was like it's we're treating this like it's a, a matter of national security that a kid's getting paid twenty thousand dollars so that he can live a comfortable life on a college campus. Right. I mean, it just it just got so far from what it needed to be because it was the the scandalous thing to do or the the big story to report the big scoop or whatever you want to call it. And it, it ended up being at the end of the day, just a, a ridiculous kind of uh, headhunting mission that didn't even get any of the figureheads that we see in college basketball basketball that everyone was so excited about, right? When the FBI did the the little, uh, you know, their circle chart where they're like, we know your game plan. I mean, the implication was that, you know, the blue bloods were going to be um, taken down. People were like, what about Coach K? What about Carolina? What about Kentucky? I mean, they thought that the, the hammer was going to be coming down from the FBI, uh, myself included at the time. I mean, you didn't really even know what the FBI was going to do because they have actual enforcement, unlike the NCAA. Right. And and now we have nothing uh, really to come uh, from the whole thing. And, and it just felt like a whole waste of time. I'm not sure how much taxpayer money was involved in that, but probably too much. And, uh, and you know, I know a lot of people are saying Kansas got off easy, but the, at the end of the day, this has been strung out for so long that, you know, a lot of people probably forgot that Kansas hadn't even heard back from the IARP or they don't even know what the IARP is. 
Um, and it just, it all felt just like a dumb rat race to nowhere. And, um, you know, I think you make a great point with that. I, I hope that we're past, um, trying to, to do gotcha, right. With, with some of these NCAA scandals, because at the end of the day, a lot of, a lot of places in, in places that are personal to, to whatever school you went to are probably playing some version of the same game, right? It's, we're a whole lot more alike than we are different. And, um, I think we're all kind of figuring that out. And the, the, the Oklahoma State part of it, I think, you know, we can feel for them because they're, they're basically saying we had similar situation and we get a postseason ban, but Kansas doesn't. But that's the tried and true story of the NCAA, right? They've been doing that forever. They, they, they one team gets this and the same, you know, big time school can have the same, you know, infractions and get, you know, a way less significant penalty. And that's just the reality that we live in. Yeah. And, and Oklahoma State was unfortunate because they were pretty early in this whole IARP right. process. So they they kind of figured, OK, we know the NCAA enforcement process. We know how to manage it. We'll be very upfront with them. We'll self-impose penalties. We'll do all the classic stuff. And they did that and were punished with a postseason ban. And all these other schools were like, we'll, we'll go to the IARP. Cool. We'll, we'll give that a shot. <laughs> Um, ended up getting off with much more lenient penalties. And yeah, I mean, taxpayer money at a cost from the FBI. I mean, I think the NCAA lost a lot of money on the IARP because these are highly paid lawyers that um, absolutely crushed them on billable hours for like seven years right? Um, and to get not a whole lot out of it. And yeah, I just think that the culture of the sport is in a totally different place. Like it felt like a time capsule yesterday afternoon waiting for an NCAA enforcement report about Kansas um, and Adidas bag men. And, you know, it's like you used to be, it used to be a, a cultural thing in college hoops that, or in college football, that, um, you know, if your school cheated, you were supposed to be ashamed. And if, a, you know, if your rival school cheated and got caught, you were supposed to shame your rival fans. And now you look at it and it's just like within the, a matter of a few years, um, it's gone from not only you're not ashamed to be paying kids, it's if why aren't we paying kids more? You know, mm -hmm. you've got like Kentucky's football coach talking at a at his coach's show about how like, hey, if you want us to beat Georgia, y'all need to pony up. And it's like this is this is where we are now. And I think it's better, right? Like kids should be able to get paid for their talents. It shouldn't be this weird shady thing where you have to pay their uncle or give send them a tractor blue chip style or whatever. Just like let the kids sign an LIL contract through a collective that you are kind of tangentially uh, aligned with. That's a technically a third party. And everybody's good to go. Um, it's a much better place, a much healthier place. And I think it's it's probably good for everybody involved. And it's definitely good for the coaches, right? And I want to talk about coaches today. First, I want to talk about the uh, the old faces in new places, right? Coaches that have made the move to, um, you know, and we're going to keep this just in the Power Six conferences in college basketball. So I want to start with the ACC and the three names, the new the the, the new faces um, in new places here. We got Damon Stoudemire now at Georgia Tech. We got Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame. And we got Red Altry uh, at Syracuse. In the ACC of those three coaches, which one of those kind of like, has captured your imagination early on? Or, or is there a, a regime that you're excited to see? I know Shrewsbury, a lot of the Big Ten people are very excited to see him uh, at Notre Dame. And I said that a little sarcastically, but of those three, I mean, which one is more fascinating heading into this season? Well, I think I think Shrewsbury is probably the best hire, if that makes sense, or the best right. cultural fit with Notre Dame. I think he makes a lot of sense there. Like having been with Matt Painter for so long, um, having gotten really good results at Penn State, which is traditionally not an easy place um, to, to build a good basketball team, like a Big Ten, you know, top half basketball team. You don't see much of that at Penn State over the years. So 
I think he makes the most sense as a hire, a bit of a fresh look after so many years of Mike Bray. I think that'll work out for Notre Dame in the in the medium term. I'm fascinated by Damon Stoudemire. I think he's he's like a a rising star in the profession. Everybody speaks very highly of him. Um, he's done well thus far. He's obviously a big name. Um, you know, it, for college basketball traditionalists, people of a certain age, like I grew up thinking Damon Stoudemire was like one of my favorite players. Um, right. And so I think he's really interesting at Georgia Tech. I'm just, Georgia Tech is such an interesting place in terms of competing at a high level in the ACC. You know, I don't, I don't think Josh Pastner is a bad coach. I don't think he has like the world's biggest track record of success, but he had, you know, a number of seasons where Memphis was pretty good. And he went to Georgia Tech, made the tournament once, um, kind of not luckily, but they had to, you know, they had to win the ACC tournament to get there essentially. And, um, you know, I had a really like extended, pretty average, mediocre tenure. And you wonder if how much of that is Josh and how much of that is Georgia Tech just hasn't been good for a really long time. And the investment and sort of the resources and the backing there maybe aren't quite there. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be um very, very interesting to see Damon Stoudemire and how he gets on there sort of right away. Yeah, and then Josh Pastner, I kind of felt bad for him because that year in 2021, I mean, we're still dealing with the pandemic, but they have the ACC Player of the Year in Moses Wright. They have Jose Alvarado, you know, who has a great year and now is in the NBA. And, you know, he has a whole nickname, Grand Theft Alvarado, <laughs> right? I mean, they, there, there's a lot more like brand building to be done there. But because of the times, I feel like that team and that Georgia Tech kind of moment really passed by and no one really um, kind of stuck with it. And then, you know, the face shield era of Josh Pastner, which is was, was an awesome era that was great but it never just really caught on so uh, I get that and then I mean honestly I think Syracuse is fascinating just because Red Autry I mean we don't even know if Syracuse is going to run zone anymore right like what what do we know uh, about Syracuse basketball right now I mean obviously they got some big time transfers JJ Starling comes to mind he's going to be uh, a big time player for them this year but I mean do you do you know anything about the way that Red Autry wants and plans to coach this team because it feels like a lot of it is um, you know kind of left to the imagination yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the the number one thing that's probably caught everybody um, or caught everybody's eye is is he's been pretty open about they are going to play man to man. Which in mm-hmm. Syracuse, you know, it's been half a century <laughs> that they've right. been you know they played the exact same system in the exact same way, and the talent gradually degraded to the point where they just weren't good defensively for what the last two three years. But I mean, if you go back to Jim Beheim's peak. Um, or not even necessarily his peak, but even 10 years ago, eight years ago, he still was putting guys on the floor that were extremely long, fast. His teams played zone, but somehow guarded the three better than almost any team in the country. They forced a ton of turnovers. They were a a unicorn defensively in terms of their tactics. So it's not like, I don't think the system stopped working. I just think the guys that he had playing it gradually, um, the talent level just sort of declined over time. So it is interesting that there's been kind of a little bit of repudiation, but I think also you have to be a little bit more, uh, what's the word, like moderate in a modern style. Like I don't think the the classic, like this is our weird system that we play and we play it all the time, whether it's, you know, Coach K only ever playing man-to-man or Jim Beheim only ever playing 2-3 zone. Like, I kind of think those days are over and the sport is kind of in a place in terms of tactics and strategy now that, um, A, you have to play the, the stuff that your guys can play and you need to be a little bit more flexible. But also, the the way offense has kind of evolved in college basketball, 
it's not quite as easy to just sit back in your zone, pack it in, not, you know, assume that teams are going to hit 25% from three and win a game. Like you have to be a little bit more flexible. So I think it's interesting that he's, he's deciding to go away from like the thing that you think about with Jim Beheim for basically the last half a century. Yeah. The, the identity of Syracuse basketball is just going to be different. That's just the, the, the fact of the matter. And we all understood that when Beheim retired, but I think the ACC with those three coaches is fascinating. The big 10 gets Mike Rose, the big 12 gets Grant McCaslin. Um, you know, the PAC 12 gets Mark Madsen, the SEC gets Chris Beard. So like there's only one new coach in those power conferences. But then I look at the Big East, and I think they're just as fascinating as the ACC. You got Ed Cooley at Georgetown. You got Rick Pitino at St. John's. You got Kim English at Providence. Um, You know, Cooley and Pitino are probably going to be the two guys that are talked about the most there. I mean, what do you expect? We've talked about Pitino ad nauseum, but what do you expect from Cooley in his first year at Georgetown? Competence. Like, I think that's the thing that if you're Georgetown's athletics administration and, you know, um, like I've covered them pretty closely living here in DC and, and feel like I know kind of how that administration thinks pretty well. Uh, it, it was difficult for them to get rid of Patrick Ewing, even last season. I think, you know, I think they gave him a year too many, maybe two years too many. Um, he obviously had that run to the, to the NCAA tournament that kind of extended his tenure longer than it, it probably would have gone otherwise yeah. started okay there. And, and then, th- you know, the wheels fell off these last couple of years. They were just so, so bad, but, no one there like wants to fire Patrick Ewing, you know, and he didn't make it any easier for anybody because he's a, a stubborn, proud guy who's like, no, I'm going to coach. I'm, I'm a Georgetown's coach. I'm going to coach here until they don't want me to. Um, so making the decision to get rid of him, you, you better get someone that, you know, can win in the big East pretty quickly. Um, I don't think any Georgetown fan laments the fact that they had to part ways with Patrick Ewing because it was so bad the last couple of seasons, but, you don't want to you don't want it to continue being that bad. It has to improve pretty quickly. You want people to see progress. And I think Ed Cooley is the perfect guy for that. Like always overachieved with this Providence teams, knows the league extremely well, knows the region extremely well, recruit the kind of guys that Georgetown fans will love to watch. Tough, hard-nosed kids who can do a bunch of different stuff on the basketball court. They'll rebound, they'll guard, um, and he'll get the most out of his teams. And like Maybe the ceiling with Patino, if Georgetown had hired Patino and St. John's had hired Ed Cooley, maybe the ceiling for Georgetown in the next couple seasons is a little higher. But over time, um, you get more with Cooley in terms of like just kind of guaranteeing you're going to have steady success, at least for the next half decade and maybe longer. Yeah, definitely. And also this year when he goes back to Providence to what are they calling it? The amp now? It used to be Dunkin' Donuts. I think they're calling it the amp. But when he goes up to Providence and, and coaches in that game, I think that's going to be, um, you know, equivalent to when Chris Beard went to Texas Tech after he took the Texas job. I mean, it's going to be um, a moment in time and those fans are going to let him hear it. And it's going to be good for college basketball because it's going to be a great rivalry. Um, I'm excited to see what Cooley can do there. He's a guy that he's a John Thompson guy, right? He's like uh, someone that that is at the, uh, you know, at the altar of John Thompson and what he preaches as a college basketball coach. So it's good to see him at Georgetown. I think that's going to be fun. Now that's the good stories, right? These are the guys of their first years. There's a lot of excitement. Everyone's fired up. Now we're going to get to the flip side of that. We're going to look at the hottest seat in every power conference. And I have some, uh, some some options for you. And we'll start in the ACC even, and we'll run through it. So my three options in the ACC that I think could be considered on the the, the hottest seat uh, right now, I think Kenny Payne at Louisville is going to be in that conversation. And we can talk about that. Jeff Capel at Pittsburgh. I mean, even though Pitt kind of bounced back last year, I still think there's some conversations that will be had if things don't go great this year. And then I have to be, you know, fair and balanced. Maybe Hubert Davis 
is in that mm. conversation in North Carolina after being preseason number one and not making the tournament last year. So of those three in the ACC, is there one that you think is on the hottest seat or is there no one really on the hot seat in the ACC? I mean, I think Kenny Payne's on the hottest seat. I think mm-hmm. uh, last season was so bad that if if there isn't, like he has the biggest delta that he has to cover, right? To, from right. what last season was to what this season needs to be for him to keep his job. Um, you know, I think Hubert, obviously, last season didn't go great in preseason number one. And and, and I think that those questions of like, we have, it's North Carolina, like you don't, you only get so many average seasons before you're on the hot seat. Like, I totally get that. But he did take a team to the national title game. I know. In his first it's, cra- season. it's crazy how quickly we forget. You know what I mean? That That's yeah. just how it goes. I, I mean, I get it. And I get I get it took them a while to figure it out that year too. And and so like there's probably some underlying questions you can still have, even if you believe in the tournament runner and how well they play for the last like two months of that season. Like I get it. But I don't think he comes anywhere close to where Kenny is in terms of um like gotta win high teens numbers of games and you won what last season? Four. Mm. So like you you gotta figure out a way to go from terrible, abjectly terrible to Average above average in a really short space of time. And I'm not sure the roster got so much better, particularly with Trenton Flowers leaving uh, in the middle of the summer, that that's going to be possible. So it, it's it's a very uphill battle, I think, for him to keep his job beyond the season because Louisville is a place that wants to win right away, too, has had a lot of success, has a lot of resources, is not going to be patient forever. And Louisville fans kind of were sold the idea that Kenny Payne was going to come down there and start beating Calipari in recruiting battles, right? And DJ mm-hmm. Wagner was the the focal point of that you know, kind of um, competition between the two schools. And then DJ Wagner, they hire Milt Wagner at Louisville, um, obviously played at Louisville back in the day. And everyone was like, well, we got his granddad. And then Cal Perry said, well, I got his dad. I got Dewan Wagner. And then DJ ends up going to Kentucky. So um, Kenny Payne, I think the hottest seat in the ACC. The Big Ten is um, it's fascinating when you really look at it. So I, I'll throw out some names for you. I don't really know if there's anyone on the hottest seat, but I got Ben Johnson, um, at Minnesota, Greg Gard at Wisconsin, Chris Holtman at Ohio State after last season, Jawan Howard at Michigan, um, and Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska. Now, I'm just saying these are candidates. I'm not saying they're on the hottest seat, but of of the names in the Big Ten, is there anyone that you think is on the hottest seat right now? I mean, I think I think it's Hoiberg probably. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a, a close tie with with Chris Holtman, Ben Johnson. I yeah, it's probably. I mean, honestly, yeah, probably Ben Johnson. They've been really bad too. Right. Um, but I think Hoiberg has been there for a, a while now, um, a, you know, a little bit longer than Johnson has. I think there is. It, it's hard because I think Ohio of this group, Ohio State fans are the ones that I've at least heard be the most outwardly unhappy with their coach. Right. That have the least patience. Like I I go on the radio every now, every so often in Columbus during during the season and Towards the end of last year, it was really like, okay, where are you on Chris Holtman? Because we we talk about it every day. And it's like, oh, wow, you guys are you're in that phase of should he stay, should he go sort of coaching talk with him. So um, I don't know that there's a clear winner here, but there, yeah, the, all there's several coaches. I think guard is probably okay. I think his team will probably be okay this year. Mm-hmm. There's several coaches there in the league that just haven't, haven't done much, Hoiberg and Johnson. But I, I think Holtman has declined sort of year over year with his results to the point that and his teams have kind of fallen apart late in seasons where I feel like Ohio State fans are starting to get a little fed up. 
Yeah, and Ohio State, unfortunately for Chris Holtman, every single year they have the, like one a one and done type talent that kind of comes out of nowhere. And um, you know, Kata Bates Diop wasn't one and done; he was injured at Ohio State. But they they kind of have an NBA talent every single year that you're saying, man, if Bryce Sensiball came back, man, imagine how good this team would be, right? And then all of a sudden they're gone, and then we look up, and I mean, they got a guy this year, Scotty Middleton, which is the same situation where. Scotty Middleton will probably, you know, have one game where he has 30 points and all of a sudden, you know, Scotty Middleton's out of town. And um, one of the best Thad Mata things I heard uh, was that, you know, you you spend, a, you know, seven years at a place and you fall in love with them in the seven years. And in the seven years, they fall out of love with you. You know what I mean? That's kind of yeah. like the, the 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 moment where things kind of shift the other way. And I think Chris Holtman, you know, he's getting into to year five, year six territory. And, um, you know, Ohio State fans, I mean, he's a great basketball coach. I think he would be really well suited to be at a basketball school instead of a football school. I really do. So Holtman is, is a fascinating conversation because I think he is really good. But Ohio State fans, like you said last year, it just seemed like, for whatever reason, I mean, obviously the results were were not great last year, but they, they completely seemed to heel turn on him quickly. So he's the one to monitor. Ben Johnson, hopefully they give him some more time. But I, I think uh, the Big Ten, maybe they don't have someone particularly on the hottest seat, but they have some some opportunistic opportunistic candidates there. Um, Big 12 is interesting. Um, I tried to, 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 to pinpoint anyone that would be considered. Uh, and these are the three that I came up with. Johnny Dawkins at UCF only made one tournament. Um, obviously made a big splash in that tournament, almost upset Zion um, and that Duke team back in 2019. But again, UCF go, going to the Big 12, they're trying and expecting their AD is expecting to be more of a, a big time player in college basketball. So maybe Dawkins is in that conversation. I put Mike Boynton Jr., um, but I don't think Mike Boynton's on the hot seat. But maybe, um, you know, OK State fans expect a little bit more. And I know he had to deal with all the NCAA stuff we mentioned before. So he's not in a great position anyway. So I, I have him as a candidate. And then I have Josh Eilert, um, who's the interim at West Virginia. So I don't even know if an interim coach can be on the hot seat. But I know he wants to get the job full time. And he's got, you know, his loyalties to Huggins. So who knows how that plays out. But uh, the, I think the simple question, is there anyone in the Big 12 that's on the hottest seat? Or should we just should we just say everyone seems seemingly is safe in the big 12 this year yeah i mean i don't think hopkins is i think people at oklahoma state are pretty happy with him at least, right. at least that's the vibe i get off of them i mean um yeah you know in terms of the guy maybe least likely to be there if we're talking this time next year it's it's probably i at west virginia but that's that's harsh because it doesn't we count. have no idea yeah. you know he's thrust into a tough position and and will be um is sort of playing for his job anyway um yeah, maybe Dawkins. I mean, I think it, it depends, like, it, these teams coming into these conferences. Like, if you're UCF, you got to give the guy a little time to adjust, right? I right. feel like it's it's only fair if you're coming into what has been, pound for pound, the best, toughest college basketball conference on a yearly basis for most of the last five, six years. Um, you know, coming from the league UCF was in, it's just like, you got to give these guys a little time to figure it out, to get used to the footprint, to see if you can maybe steal some guys out of Texas to come play for you, in, you know, in Florida, like who are who are Big 12 type prospects who want to play in places like that. Um, it, it's hard. You know, it's it's tough. It's going to be that, that that is the the biggest. Like we all assume Houston's going to come into the Big 12 and be like, yeah, it's Houston. They're extremely good at basketball. Kelvin Sampson will have them like top four, top three teams in the league. They've been great. Um, but, but, a, a program like UCF needs a little time, I think, to, to kind of find its footing before if you're an AD, you just decide, oh no, you're not good enough. We got to find a different guy. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think, uh, 
I, I would it would be harsh for any of those guys, I'd say, but we'll see how high how uh Ireland does at West Virginia, obviously. Yeah, I, I think baseline, Big Twelve, nobody's on the hot seat. Um, I think that's a fair way to put it. The Big East is another one like that where you're just trying to maybe identify someone that could be. I mean, the only one that I could really think of that could be a candidate, and it's not really any fault of Tony Stubblefield. I mean, he's at DePaul. DePaul has not been able to find that magic since, you know, Mark Aguirre left when they won the national championship and he won, you know, national player. Or I guess they went to the Final Four that year. But Mark Aguirre, right, that era of DePaul basketball, they've been trying to keep the Chicago recruits in Chicago. Um, Tony Stubblefield is missed at Oregon. I, I'm not sure, like, what the... the um, the expectations are for him at DePaul, but I mean, right now he, he's not winning basketball games at a clip that DePaul fans, I would assume, would would be excited about. But then again, you're going against uh, some really electric teams in the Big East, but he's really the only one. I saw some murmurs about Kyle Neptune last year from Villanova people. I just think that's ridiculous. You have to give a guy at least two, three years, I think, at this point. Obviously, the transfer portal has changed that conversation a little bit because you can, you know, create a roster um, pretty much out of nowhere, as we've seen guys with like Jerome Tang when he goes to Kansas State and he was able to do that. So um, I understand the knocks are a little bit harsher, but in the Big East, uh, it's similar to the Big 12. I don't really know if there's anyone unless you're you're ready to move on from Stubblefield. But I mean, the guy was hired in April of 2021, so he hasn't really had his time there either. And he's a really good recruiter, as he proved, uh, you know, at Oregon back in the day. So um, the Big East, I, I don't think there's anyone on the hottest seat unless you have someone that comes to mind. No, I mean, I think, again, like DePaul is DePaul. I, I used to live right. in Chicago. I covered college basketball in Chicago. They've never been good. And and even when you get talent on campus, for whatever reason, um, the coaches who have been there haven't been able to put it together in like really good teams. Um, so, yeah, you got to give the you got to give a guy at a program like that more time. Um, I was going to say Kyle Neptune. I don't think he's on the hot seat right now, but, you know, and I expect them to be a lot better this year. And I think he'll be fine. But, um, you know, if they don't make the tournament again uh, or they're just like 500 again. I think there will be some Villanova people who are like, okay, hey, we hired Jay's guy. We we love Jay. We love Kyle. But, you know, we were a powerhouse for a decade plus, and we want to go out and find the best coach. And maybe that wouldn't happen this offseason, but I think that talk would start happening. Um, but again, I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be really good this year. Uh, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And Villanova, they almost, because of what happened after 1985, when they had that little bit of a lull, right? I feel like they're just worried about trying to go, you know, going back into that and then having to emerge again, you know, 18, 20 years later. So I understand their, their, um, you know, their hesitancy and the reason why they have reservations right now. So I get that, but I think right now we'll leave, uh, you know, the big East open as well. The PAC 12 has three options. Jared Hass, Wayne, T Jared Hass at Stanford, Wayne Tinkle at Oregon state and Mike Hopkins at Washington. Now I think Hass. Um, the recruiting has been great. Wayne Teagle went to the Elite Eight, one of the most shocking Elite Eight runs we've seen, but hasn't been good <laughs> since then. Um, and then I think Mike Hopkins might be on the hottest seat in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, Mike Hopkins would have been on the hottest seat like three, four years ago, except he signed a massive contract extension. And then Washington <laughs> was like, oh, wait, whoops. Like, we can't, mm -hmm. we actually can't afford to get rid of this guy right now. Um, and, you know, things that were, have improved since, the, you know, the five win season, whatever year that was a few years back, but right. um, not so much so that you think, okay, this is, this is a guy we need to stick with long-term. Um, yeah. Wayne Tinkle, again, you know, the, the Oregon state um, sort of long-term athletics outlook is so weird, kind of alongside Washington state, obviously for obvious reasons, outside the school's controls that you wonder, um, you know, I don't know what Wayne Tingle's buyout would be, but if it's significant or, or 
Um, you know, if he signed a contract, I don't think he signed too much of an extension after the Elite Eight thing, but maybe, maybe they don't want to pay that right now. Um, one guy I was going to bring up that is interesting, maybe is, is Bobby Hurley at Arizona yeah. State. Um, they've done fine and he made the tournament last year and, and, you know, all's well, but I, I is like, I don't know where Arizona state fans are on sort of the trajectory of the program. I think there's been some, you know, they've been kind of hit or miss with it for a little while. And and ultimately they have another bad season this year, kind of slip back down to where they've been occasionally. It's a tenure where they kind of fall out of the top 100 in Kempom. Um, then you've got an issue on your hands, but for me, the clear number one here in the Pac-12 is at Stanford. And I think mm-hmm. Stanford fans are, are perfectly within their rights to wonder why that move wasn't made this offseason when when Mark Madsen was a coach that was available. Instead, he gets hired at Cal. He looks like he's going to be a really good coach. And he's a Stanford hero. And the idea of him coaching at Cal is kind of crazy, considering where Stanford is with its head coach right now. Yeah, they better hope that Stoyakovic is a a superstar, like uh, because that's pretty much their rationale for keeping Jared Haas over, you know, going after Mark Madsen because of that recruiting class. So that's fascinating. The last one, quickly, SEC. I think there's only one guy on this list that's on the hot seat. He's been on the hot seat since 2019. John Calipari, right at Kentucky. John Calipari. These Kentucky fans, they look at the they look at his buyout numbers every single year. Um, it looks like him and Barnhart, the AD there, they have had problems for quite some time. There's been some issues with him talking about the football program and things like that. But there's really no one else in the SEC that checks the box. Maybe Lamont Paris at South Carolina, but I think you know getting Gigi Jackson last year helped him. Uh, Chris Jans at Mississippi State, they seem to like him, even though you know he's had his troubled past. Um, but I think Calipari is really the only answer in the SEC, unless you have someone else that's. Not top of mind maybe Stackhouse but I think Stackhouse has actually done well considering with Vanderbilt yeah no I, I thought maybe you were going to say Stackhouse and I was gonna be like I think it's Calipari I think mm-hmm. um you know how many tournament games have they won in the last three four as, years as many as Northwestern yeah it's not good um and Kentucky fans obviously expect not just that you're really good in the regular season every year they expect deep tournament runs and that Calipari delivered that basically every season for the first three-fourths of his tenure there so um, again, it's the kind of place like North Carolina where the standards are such that it doesn't take super long for, and it doesn't take super disappointing teams. You don't have to be the 150th best team and adjusted efficiency one season or something like that. You can just have one or two bad years, a couple bad tournament performances, maybe not the best recruiting, whatever, and, and you're in trouble. And I think, you know, they look like, I think they look like they're going to be really good this year. But yeah. if they're not, if they're too young, if he doesn't, you know, if, if they don't have the bigs that they need defensively, if they're a little soft in the middle, whatever the case may be, the, the Kentucky fans are going to start grumbling. They're starting grumbling really loud because not only are they ha- not happy with the the results they're getting, I think they're not happy with the way the teams are playing anymore uh, stylistically. And so that has contributed to a, to a, an environment where, like, I think a significant portion of the Kentucky fan base is ready to find somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you have it. That's the hottest seat with Eamon Brennan. Eamon, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. We'll have you back on. We're uh, we're less than a month away from college basketball, and I, I can't believe it's back, and I can't wait to watch it again. And uh, again, we'll have you back very soon, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. 
And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, there you have it. Eamon Brennan talking hot seat. I always get a little bit, uh, you know, in my head when I talk about hot seat. You never want to talk about people's jobs. You know, if God forbid someone did a hot seat of podcasters in the college basketball space and they put me on the list, I would be uh, remiss not to call them out and maybe uh, make some decorative statements. And, And maybe that's part of this. Maybe I get these coaches to say something. It gets aggregated. That's good for the show. Any good pub, you know, we'll take or bad pub at this point. We'll we'll, we'll take some pub. So uh, I don't know. I don't like to talk about the hot seat, but it's inevitable. We all have that in the back of our mind. When we look at a power conference, we say, which one of these coaches are going to get fired? And that's why we had talked to Eamon Brennan about that. So that was fun. And, uh, you know, we talked uh, a little bit about the new faces and new places. So we, we try to keep it a little bit positive as well. But now we got to do some shout outs. Kyle. This is when I turn to you and I say, give me some headlines. But it looks like there's one main headline that you yes. and I both have seen, and uh, that is Kansas. They got away with it again, Kyle. Um, the FBI, they did not do what they promised to do. They gave us the the spreadsheet. They gave us the the circle graph, and they said, <laughs> we are going to stop you. We are going to We're point out. We're coming for you, right? We're Wasn't coming for quote? your neck. <laughs> yes, yes. Watch out. We know your game plan, and we're coming to, to lock it down. And the IARP said, wait a second. Actually, it was just level three violations for Bill Self and also three years probation, what many would call a slap on the wrist. And uh, that led Mike Boynton, coach of Oklahoma State, to say um, some words himself, which is basically, what the hell? Why why, why us? Why not them? Yes. Um, it's it's a very, it's frustration. You know, Jerry Tarkanian told us a long time ago, this is the case that the NCAA is so mad at Kentucky that they gave Cleveland State, you know, four years probation, right? This is, <laughs> This is the game that we play. This is the world that we live in. And Kansas, I mean, I don't begrudge Kansas for taking this to the IARP, which is now going to be debunked very soon. And if you didn't tell, they didn't even get the press release, Kyle, out on time. It was supposed to come out at 2 o'clock. I think they put it out at like 2.07, 2.10. So they're not even prompt on their own releases at this point because, again, it's a debunked group. It was very smart of Kansas to get this in the hands of the IARP. And Bill Self, 
again, is a gangster. And Bill Self is not going to be shut down by anybody, especially not at the bunk committee that is formed by the NCAA because they don't have enough heads to actually go through and sift through all of this minutia and red tape about bag dropping. Because at the end of the day, we live in a world where bag dropping is okay at this point uh, for the most part, as long as the car dealership uh, gets a contract out and says, we're going to own your name, image, and likeness for, you know, in, in perpetuity for the rest of your life. And you don't read the contract and you sign it. And then all of a sudden you're owned by a car dealership for the rest of your life. And they're taking 10% of your NBA money. But that's a whole other different conversation for a, di- or a different day. But all in all, Kyle, the big news is that Kansas, they did it again. They got away with it. And uh, Blue Bloods undefeated against the NCAA. And this is this is closing the book on what I what was the golden age of college basketball podcasting in my time. This mm. is this is that six years ago. This was the FBI, the sting operation. This was all that stuff kind of rolled into one. Right. And this is sort of this is the end of it. Right. This is the it, end. It had I slowed mean, up for a while. I like when, when it when it resurfaced, I don't know, like a year or two ago, I was like, wait, is this the same thing? Because, I mean, we had so much fun. We had some great segments about it. There's some great clips out there from the from those days. But this is this is the end of that's this is the same thread that we've been stringing along for six years. Right. This is finally the end of it. This is the end of it. And we had coaches go to prison. People forget this. Actual coaches went to prison. Oklahoma State um, pretty much had the exact same situation as Kansas. They had a postseason ban for a year. So a lot of people thought that that might be the case. But again, Bill Self, Curtis Townsend, uh, the assistant coach for Kansas, very smart. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a four-game suspension at the start of the season and make sure that you guys know that we're taking this seriously um, <laughs> and that we we are actually we're upset about this. Um, and they handled it internally. And uh, the IARP said it's all right. And the only real knock is that they had to vacate wins from the 2017-2018 season, right? And uh, that includes a Final Four appearance, but we all watched them go to the Final Four. So when I talk about 2018's Final Four, I'm going to remember Kansas was in the Final Four, just like I remember Louisville was in the National Championship and won it in 2013. If it happened, it happened, in my opinion. Same with Memphis. Um, Three years probation, like I said, and a level three violation for Coach Self. So they get away pretty much scot-free. And uh, OSU, um, like I said, Oklahoma State, they put out a statement, um, and they say, we agree, as we stated at the time, that the NCAA should be intentional in prescribing penalties that do not negatively impact student-athletes, including bans and for postseason play for violations that occurred in years prior. But again, they did not do this to Kansas. So it sounds like the NCAA listened to Oklahoma State, just not in their situation. They were like, okay, great point for Kansas. No postseason ban. We don't want to hurt these kids. But unfortunately, your kids are going to have to get hurt. So I understand why Oklahoma State fans are upset. Um, I also understand why Kentucky fans are fired up because, Kyle, you (laughs) know what this means. (laughs) Yes. Kentucky is back. Hang the banner. They're the winningest program in college basketball again. This is the best case scenario for Big Blue Nation. They are... They're going crazy right now. Kansas had the belt. They no longer have the belt. This is why the NCAA, when they come in and they take wins away, it creates a whole different um, you know, timeline for these things. So now we have to go back and rework our minds and say, oh, yes, Kentucky has been the winningest program. Um, 2018 did not happen. 2017, 20, 2018 did not happen for Kansas. Kentucky, congratulations. You got it done. And uh, Kansas, the same day that they got these violations, they got a four-star commit. Yes. If that doesn't say... <laughs> Yes. We're okay out here. Um, then I don't know what does. So shout out with to a the great names. That yeah. guy's name is awesome. It's uh, I have it. I have it here. Rakeese Passmore. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to pass a lot, and yeah. uh, you know, or maybe you yell at him and say, "Pass more, pass more, please." Like we need you to share the ball. So. 
Great name. He's going to be on the all-name team at some point uh, in OSP history unless he transfers. But again, if he does, he's already in the... Uh, he's he's going to be considered for the character list maybe one day. So we'll see what happens there. Shout out to Passmore. Shout out to Bill Self. Bill Self, again, he just keeps doing it and he does not care um, You know who's watching, who's trying to slap him on the wrist. He said, slap me. I'll put my wrists out and I'll just keep on rolling. And uh, Kansas... Continues to roll with Adidas. Shout out to Adidas. Shout out to Kansas. Shout out to everybody that said, let's get our case to the IARP and let them handle it because we know what they do. They just say, hey, sorry, we didn't find too much. Wink, wink. Thanks for everything, guys. And uh, we kicked the can down the road. And hopefully, and uh, I, I talked about you know this with even at the top of the show, hopefully we get to a point where we're not talking about this and pretending to be up in arms about players getting paid. We understand this has been happening for as long as I can remember. And uh, even past that, back to the 1940s, as soon as college basketball became a staple in the zeitgeist of American culture, people have been getting paid to go play college basketball. I mean, that that's just the the fact of the matter. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Luau Cinder at Power Memorial, right? Every school in the country is going after him. I'm not saying John Wooden paid him to go there, but I'm saying he had a pretty nice setup at UCLA, right? We know how the game goes, and, and it's been going that way for quite some time. So shout out to the Blue Bloods, um, undefeated against the NCAA, unless it's football. Football, they will come at the Blue Bloods, but not in basketball. We know how it goes. Um, so that's good. That's the IARP decision for Kansas. If you were fascinated by that, you can go read the minutia about the case. Again, nothing severe. Kansas kind of got everything handled up front, and now on the back end, they're going to be all right. Um, let's keep shout-outs rolling here because we got a good one. Shaq, our guy Shaq, in the Battle of the Brands, he is now going to be one of the biggest characters and faces on it because, Kyle, I don't know if you saw this. He is being named president of Reebok Basketball. Get which out, is a, really? Yeah, it's about to relaunch in 2025, and Shaq is going to be the face of Reebok Basketball. Um, I think this is a great move. We needed some, you know, a lot of times, I remember there's that famous Kanye interview where he's talking about Lady Gaga working for Polaroid, and he's like, I like the Gaga songs. What the hell does she know about cameras, right? Shaq knows a lot. <laughs> about shoes and a lot a lot about basketball obviously so having him be the face of Reebok basketball I like Reebok as a brand I feel like Reebok had a nice little flutter in the early 2000s right with the AAU circuit they had some big names Greg Oden one of those names that they had locked in unfortunately um, that didn't quite work out in the end but Reebok, um, I think they're going to, I mean, even with John Wall, um, you know, they, they had their moment with John Wall, Allen Iverson. They, they've had these cultural, um, you know, kind of tentpole moments where you're saying, okay, Reebok, I see it. Shaq um, knows this. Great shoe. Right, right. So Reebok, um, I'm excited about Shaq. Did those involved. come out uh, recently again? Like, was that like 2014, 15, or maybe like 2016 time? Were they always making them again? But I just, I remember they made like a real push and I was seeing like Shaq Gnosis in a lot of places. I don't know if they were, ha they had them the whole time. And then the pumps came back for some yeah, reason. I think maybe, the they, but they re-released them with some like highlightery colors, which I didn't, I don't know. That was, it was fine. I did buy them, but uh, there was like, there was sort of like a resurgence in the like late 2010s or mid 2010s, I thought. Yeah. And I didn't know if those were back the whole time or if somebody just decided they were cool and they swept the nation. But I mean, the answers, the questions had both of those. Mm -hmm. They were a little bulky, but. You know, it's cool. I think people like want to seem like they know, especially I think even the younger people would probably be like, 
Fuck yeah, I got the I got the questions. I got the yeah. answers. And I will say, like the the pumps are like perfect for the Gen Z culture, right? Yes. They didn't really see them. Very and I feel loud, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I think that they're going to come back with with reckless abandonment. And uh, you're right when they lost the NFL contract because Reebok used to sponsor the NFL. I feel like they tried to lean back into going to the what retro era, right? right? What do we have? <laughs> yeah, what do we have in the docket here? And then they went away for a while, but they're coming back in 2025, and they're coming back bigger than ever. And it's with Shaq by their side, so. Great move by them. I love that. Um, another guy in college basketball that we have to watch, and a great name, Kyle. You're going to love his name, Boogie Fland. Yep. Um, the update is that Boogie Fland commitment is hashtag coming soon. He said it could be within days or within a month. Um, and again, this is why we love recruiting. This is why we love these kids because, uh, you know, you just put it out there, hashtag coming soon. Indiana fans are going crazy. Kentucky fans are going crazy. They're going to Trilly Donovan to see, you know, what he's reading the tea leaves, right, and trying to figure out where Boogie's going to go. Um, our guy Joe Tipton said Boogie Fland is one of the most impressive recruits he's ever seen from a personality standpoint. Not even talking about the basketball because he's a tremendously talented basketball player, but he said his understanding of who he is, the brand, and and who he's trying to build himself into is uh, is really impressive. So I'm excited about Boogie Fland. And I hope what do you think happens in this week, this two weeks? Is this just like these guys are going to the their car dealerships and saying we gotta we gotta throw some more money on this pile or like what is it? Because, I mean, they've already talked about, like, the fits, right? And they've already, like, met with the coaches about, like, all right, what what can I do for this team? What do you, like, who who's on the roster or whatever, right? So, like, at this point, it's just, are we just upping the bag for in each respective possible we're, school? We're basically saying, we're, we're put in your final offers, right? Put in your <laughs> right. godfather offers. Uh, okay. I'm prepared to review and accept or deny based on the godfather offers. And, Honestly, Indiana, from all I, from what I hear, Indiana is the favorite for Boogie Flynn. So I hope uh, at the end of the day, Boogie Flynn finds where he wants to go. And I think playing for Mike Woodson would be a great pick for Boogie Flynn. I don't want to sway him one way or the other, but I like it. And also, you know, Kentucky, Indiana, the rivalry's coming back. You know, when you go after recruit. Yeah, it'd be good. I like it. Um, another big time recruit. And I'm not going to say his name properly because, again, he was class of 2026. He's reclassing to 2025. He was the number one player in the class of 2026. AJ DeBansta? Sure. Um, I think everyone's like, I, I don't know. But anyways, KOC was fired up about this. And uh, I hit him with a text. And K KOC said he's been watching tape of this kid. And I'm like, is he 14 or 15? How? Who has the tape of this kid? And uh, then he sent me a YouTube clip. He looked pretty impressive, Kyle. Looks like a good basketball player. YouTube now, clips are, are great for that. YouTube clips are perfect. Of for course. And, and, you know, you watch one YouTube video, Kyle, and you feel like you've watched this guy since he was seven. You start right. telling about his game. You're like, you, you pull a Kyle, man, I love his middle game. That's what you got to say for everybody. Just, I love his middle game. And then everyone's like, <laughs> oh, he's watched Dave. He's seen it. Um, so shout out to AJ. Um, we'll see. Cameron Boozer, number one in the 2025 class. But maybe AJ comes in and, and competes for that spot. But that's good. That's good competition in the class of 2025. Also, um, big news in the recruiting world with both those guys right now. I uh, want to shout out our guy, Rick Patino. I always try to wedge in a Rick Patino shout out. And this one is amazing because Rick Patino is planning to build a $35 million basketball practice facility spots now he doesn't have the funds for it yet but he has put out to the media that that is his plan and now it is on st john's to figure out how to build this 35 million dollar practice facility but i love this this is a very bad guy move kyle you float things to the media what you want and now the the ad and the rest of the administration gets asked questions about it they're like when is the practice facility gonna be start being built and they're like what practice facility they're like the 35 million dollar one that rick patino just told us about this and is if i don't get stuff. it i'm gonna jump in the east river yeah yeah right <laughs> 
or I'm going to go to another school. Uh, I'm going to go to the ACC or something. So shout out to Rick Pitino. Love to see that. Uh, another coach that I always uh, appreciate when he's on the timeline, Tom Crean. Tom Crean was tweeting about layups like he was Dr. Seuss. I don't know if you've seen this, Kyle, but he just was basically like, if you're not practicing practicing layups, like you're an idiot. And uh, But the way that he he formatted it was like he just had read, uh, uh, you know, green eggs and ham and then was like, layups matter once, layups matter twice, layups, layups, layups. I need them in my life. You oh, my God. I, mean? I just saw <laughs> That's funny. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what got him on this whole little roll, but shout out to Tom Crean. Both hands, uh, both feet, both one hands. foot or two foot. Same yeah, hand, right. same foot. Reach, other side of the board, high off glass, on the move, with contact, off the Thank board, you. layups. Thank you. That is that is the most Dr. Seuss way to read that, Kyle. I really appreciate it. And shout out to Tom Crean for putting that out there. Um, Caitlin Clark, our girl, she is uh, going to be a star, a character that counts on this show um, in the OSP universe. She's the first college athlete to join State Farm. How does Jake, Jake from State Farm keep getting away with this, Kyle? He's with everybody. I, I mean, when when does he jump the shark where we turn on him? Because it feels like we're going on a decade of Jake from State Farm. I think he's, he's been a little too big for his britches for a while now. Yeah, right. But, uh, what can you do? What can you do other than, you know, just keep giving him pictures and photo ops with the top stars in sports? I mean, it just keeps happening. <laughs> do you remember when there was like a Jake transition, like before this Jake, wasn't there like a different guy? Because there that was, guy, that guy, there, and it wasn't the, and that wasn't the khakis Jake. It was between khakis Jake and cool guy Jake. There was like mm-hmm. another guy. And that guy came into the ringer offices to do some sort of state farm ad. <laughs> And I remember Bill was like, what's going on? <laughs> so, they, so they did like a 30 second spot and then that was it. And the guy, and the, and the middle Jake was like, wait, so that's it. Bill was like, yeah, man, see you later. He's like, get out of here right now. Please get out of here. We were yeah. all confused. We were like, what is going on? Like, couldn't this have been recorded and said to us? They're like, no, no, we got to get Jake in the studio. <laughs> So. And they wanted him, if I remember correctly, they wanted him to sit on the chapel stage like it, like we were doing, they were doing like a Ringer NBA show and Jake from State Farm was supposed to just be sitting there like uh, listening or I guess being a part of the conversation. <laughs> Regardless, State Farm has been trying to promote Jake from State Farm for a long time. I thought when Jake Fromm, you know, the quarterback for Georgia, when he left and it was Jake from State Farm, I thought oh, that God, would be that the end perfect. of it. You know what I mean? I thought that would be the end of the whole conversation. Boy, was I wrong, because we're going to see a lot of Jake from State Farm uh, with Caitlin Clark this year, which I'm okay with it because Caitlin Clark, she can do no wrong uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they announced the money on that because they always like to do that. I mean, a lot of people are pocket watching these days, but I did not see any numbers. But if I'm Caitlin Clark, I'm at least getting six figures, right? I mean, you, you got to uh, get think absolutely. You think seven figures. You think you go even above that. Because I remember last year, I mean, you, you you had like Paige Beckers had a Gatorade deal for a million dollars, right? UConn's Paige Beckers. So there's money to be made out there for a college basketball sponsorship. Caitlin Clark will find out. We'll report back once we find out what the real numbers are. Shout out to Jay Cole, by the way. Jay Cole uh, referenced Wake Forest, uh, the Demon Deacons, on his song with Drake, First Person Shooter. Wake Forest decided to make graphics of Jay Cole in a Wake Forest jersey with, like, AI, I guess. And um, they, they put the clips everywhere. They were very excited about this. I feel like... On Tobacco Road, NC State gets referenced, North Carolina gets referenced, Duke gets referenced, right? Wake Forest is always the one that is off to the side and doesn't get their moment in the sun. So shout out to J. Cole for making that happen. Quickly, Kyle, did you 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 know, you know what's up. Did you listen to this Drake album? And quickly, can you get some thoughts? Because uh I, I see the haters are out. Joe Budden is be beside himself right now. He, yeah, he, he doesn't seems know what to upset. do. <laughs> he seems pretty upset. Um uh I listened to one of the things that was leaked before. I listened to two of the leaked songs 
Um, right. And no, I actually really haven't. And uh, and, and all the all the bad uh, pub that it's getting isn't deterring me. I'm sure there'll be a a car ride or a, a long walk home from the frolic. Where I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna throw on this this Drake yeah. thing, and um, it's fine. It like I don't want to be a, a, a curmudgeon, but I always like the old stuff anyway. When we're, we're talking uh, Lil Wayne or or J Cole for that matter, shout out twice. Mm. I always like the old stuff, but you know what? Saying that stuff t- into the world, unless you're getting paid for it, seems a little stupid. So. It's nice that J. Cole's finally get some credit because it, you know, it felt like all of the uh, the hip hop critics, right? I don't, I don't know. I guess that's the right word for him. They would always say, J. Cole's so boring. He's just so boring. I wish he could be like Kendrick Lamar. Not even realizing that J. Cole literally discovered Kendrick Lamar for Dr. Dre and his song High Power that became like the anthem for Kendrick Lamar fans to stand over was literally a J. Cole song produced by J. Cole, performed by J. Cole, given to Kendrick Lamar. But I, I, you know, that's besides the point. It used to fire me up, Kyle, but it feels like... Carolina the, kid, get to it. I, <laughs> I, Thursday I feel, morning. I feel like uh, the, the critics are coming around on J. Cole. Drake, the album is uh, is, is hilarious, uh, to say the least. But there is a song on there called What Would Pluto Do? And I think that's the that's the best song that they that he has going on the album. So you don't need to go check it out. But if you're, you're worried about Drake, just remember, Drake is a college basketball character. And we have to treat him as such. And uh, he will be in our universe. He will be discussed, um, especially when they, we do our characters that count, because he's trying to figure out what school he's leaning with. Because Penny Hardaway in Memphis is Shooting making up a push the for Drake. <laughs> yeah, they're making a push for Drake. They want Drake. They don't want Cal to have Drake. So we'll talk about that. Um, one last shout out for me, Kyle. And this is something, you know, very close um, in my life. And it's something I would say, this is my Bigfoot outside of Bigfoot, which I saw a video of, of Bigfoot the other day where people thought they saw him. Um, I don't still know. Pretty saw, still pretty grainy. The headline was in incredibly clear video. Still pretty grainy, still pretty grainy, honest. but like a little bit better. It's like mid two thousands HD. Um, but you can see what <laughs> looks like a, a Bigfoot character, but my Bigfoot is the Wilt Chamberlain 100 point game. And I wanted to dedicate an anniversary because 10 years ago, Josh Pastner, then the head coach of the Memphis Tigers, told everyone that his dad has in a box somewhere in their attic the actual game footage of the 100-point game. And uh, it has been 10 years since he promised this. (laughs) He said he was going to go in the attic. He was going to go look for that videotape, and he was going to release the tapes to us. And again, we're about 10 years out from that conversation, Josh Pastner is not coaching college basketball right now. He has some free time. I know he's going to work in TV, but I think I'm putting out a, a, a notice to you, Coach Pastner. Please find those tapes. We need to see that game. Um, if you don't know the story, Josh Pastner's dad was the ball boy for Wilt Chamberlain in that game. And, uh, you know, he he kind of told this whole runaround of Wilt Chamberlain used to drink Sprite on the sidelines. Like instead of water, he'd come in the game and drink Sprite. But he thought someone was going to poison him with his Sprite every single time he drank it. So he would make the ball boy, a.k.a. Josh Pastner's dad, drink the Sprite before he drank it to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Um, that's a real story, of Shout out to Pastner. that kid that, the, 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 that definitely dad, could have been poisoned. <laughs> right. He was willing to put his life on the line for Will Chamberlain um, to make sure he wasn't going to get poisoned. And that respect that he had for, for Will Chamberlain came back tenfold because Will Chamberlain, um, they recorded this game, apparently, and Will Chamberlain gave the tape to Josh Pastner's dad. And again, it's somewhere in his attic. <laughs> well, he has he the tape. That? Well, if you know the story about the game, there's a lot of like conspiracy theorists that think Will Chamberlain never scored 100 points. Now, there is a radio broadcast that has him. I think they have the fourth quarter of of the radio broadcast where he actually does score 100 and they celebrate it, but they don't have the first three quarters. But apparently this footage has every quarter but the first quarter. 
and it's video, so we can actually see him score 100 points. Um, it's it's like the Zabruder film or something. We need to see the tapes, release the tapes, Josh Pastner. It's been a decade. If, if you have an attic, you can get in there and, and go search through it one day during a decade. Because even like. if you could just match up the the radio broadcast from the fourth quarter with the video of the fourth quarter, then that should put it to rest anyway, right? You don't even need all the quarters because if the if the broadcast matches up, sort of like how we tape sync a podcast or something, right? if it does match up and it's like, <clears throat> you know, behind the back pass to uh, whatever, and, if, and you can match all those things up, then I think you're good there. But this is, uh, this is, I had no idea about this. This is insane. This is like, uh, oh yeah, my girlfriend goes to another school. You, you, you go that, do that route for two months and, or two, you know, a year or something. And you're like, oh, we broke up. She was so hot though. I swear. I wish you could have seen her. No, <laughs> it's, it's, so the, yeah, it's, it's the Brady Bunch movie when, uh, you know, J- uh, Jan and, uh, they're having the conversation, Marsha and Jan and Jan's like, oh yeah, my boyfriend from out of town, George. And then she looks on the table at glass. She's like, George glass. And then the dad opens the fridge. He's like, George Tropicana, you know what I mean? And, and <laughs> right. then Marsha's like, I've never heard of any of them. And then sure, Jan, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure, Josh, sure, Josh, sure. You have the tape of the 100 point basketball game in your attic somewhere. But honestly, on the flip side of that, Josh Pastner is just, you know, odd enough to actually have that footage. So I just wanted to put a PSA out there. We need him to look in the <laughs> That's attic. Great. And a great I, shout and out. It, yeah, please. Um, Josh Pastner, if you're around and you're in Atlanta, I will fly to Atlanta and go look in your attic with you. I will go through those boxes. I will comb through those boxes. We love mysteries on this show. I think that's a that's a mystery that needs to be solved. I mentioned this to Bill Simmons uh, probably now five years ago or something, and he was like, what? He has the tape? So even Bill's like, <laughs> I think Bill would be on board to go find the tape. Uh, we need the 100-point game, Josh Pastner. Um, that, that is the big note of the day, and it's been 10 years since he announced this to the public, so now is the time to go sort through it. So uh, there you go. Kyle, do you have anything else before we get out of here. I know you got a Bill Simmons podcast to go record. No, I think that I think that's it. Let's get let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. Appreciate everyone listening to One Shining Podcast. We'll be back on Monday with Kyle Mann. We're going to have another Manic Monday. We're going to talk about some guys that you may not know now, but you will know soon in college basketball. Names you need to know before everybody else. We'll get to that on Monday, and we'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>